Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor podcast. The future looks bright, folks. So let's just jump straight into it. I'm going to tell you about my short-term rental journey. For anybody who hasn't come across me, I my very short version of my story is I started in 2016 with one apartment, my own apartment, wanted to discover this phenomenon of Airbnb. What was all the fuss about? Well, I soon found out that it was going to bring me in almost twice as much revenue. I could suddenly use my own property for my own purposes. And I was meeting incredible people. The reciprocal review system on Airbnb meant that everyone was on their best behavior, including me. So uh, what a great concept. Now, I then realized that there was a business opportunity with this amazing platform, and that was to create a property management business. That's right, folks. So utilizing other people's properties, fully furnished properties, and I was going to manage the process for them. Day-to-day running of short-term rentals, That was the meeting, the greeting, the cleaning, the communication, even doing the dirty laundry for those properties and just charging a commission. I was able to to get 130 properties. Let me say that again, 130 properties in two and a half years. Holy moly, $8 million income, right? Like boom, $8 million in less than three years through Airbnb, 100% Airbnb. I didn't use the other OTAs different story. I tried, I didn't like it. So Airbnb, you know, I love them so much that I probably will get a facial tattoo one day if Brian Chesky pays for it. But sold my business just prior to COVID, wrote a best-selling book, Million Dollar Host. Now I get to hang out with the cool people like Rachel and uh, on Clubhouse, uh, Zooming, social media. One day we're getting together in person, right? Absolutely. So guys, there you have it. 130 properties, $8 million, best-selling author, and one of my mentors, by the way, this woman is rocking it, okay? She is crunching it, and it's just incredible, and it's such an honor to have you here with us today, Julie. So let me ask you this. Our focus is going to be about teens, and I love how you said you started with the one property that's seriously scaling it, right, from one to 130 and you talked about doing the dirty laundry. If if I hear laundry one more time this week, Julie, oh my gosh, that's going to be the death of me. First of all, what was the light bulb moment for you when you realized, I need help. I'm going to need some help. 
Let me tell you, the light bulb moment is scarred and I will never forget the day that I made 17 beds in one day. So I came up with this great concept, short-term rental management property, uh, you know, property management, great idea until I realized I had to do everything myself, the cleaning, the guest communications. Then I thought nobody can do it better than me. I'm the best at it. I'm not very good at all at cleaning side. Let me tell you, I'm terrible. Do not have me as an employee as a cleaner. So it was 17 beds in one day. I thought this is a ridiculous idea. Who came up with this concept? I'm going to give this business away. Then I woke up the next morning. I thought, no, I just need to get some help and I need to get some a framework in place. I need good systems. I need good organization and I need a team. I cannot do this on my own. I was going to burn out so quick. I wasn't seeing my family. And so as quickly as I possibly could, I started putting together the magic team and happy to give you all the details on how I did that, who I did that with, how much I paid them, and then how to retain them as well. That's there's a big piece of the point. Oh, you're absolutely right, Julie, because you know what? I kind of cringe when an investor comes to me and tells me, I just, I'm going to fire all of my cleaners. It's like, wait, just wait a minute. Uh, are there some steps that we can take prior to that? So my question to you, Julie, is when you woke up that next morning after doing 17 beds and realizing I need to get a team, how many units were you, how many units were in the portfolio at that point? So I only really had four or five at that stage. I think it was just that they had all turned over on the one day and because I, I, I did count 17 beds, so there must have yeah. been four properties. Yeah. Scarred my brain, that number. Um, and, but uh, so four or five properties. And then I realised I'm going to not be able to scale any further on my own and I'm not going to be able to ever have a, a weekend off if I don't get some help as well. So, so it was four or five. It just happened to coincide in that next couple of days with having a coffee with a gentleman by the name of Glenn. Now, Glenn was 72 when I caught up with him for this coffee, 72-year-old who had just come to the end of his advertising career. In fact, Glenn and I both sold phone book advertising. Yes, good old yellow leather pages, if anyone I, remembers that. Before I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> I remember so for 10 years, I was out selling advertising and selling phone book ads and Glenn and I worked together, but at the end of his career, he came to me and said, I don't want to retire. I want to keep going, but what can I do? No one's going to employ a phone book salesman anymore. And I said, have you got a mop? Have you got a bucket? And do you know how to use a smartphone? And he said, yes, yes, yes. And I said, well, I'm going to give you these five properties. I think it was at the time. You're going to start looking after the guest communication. You're going to meet and greet every guest. You are going to clean the property, do the laundry, and then look after any, organize the repairs and maintenance to be done. And also let me know of any claims that need to be made through Airbnb. And we, we probably trained together for about two weeks before he felt confident in taking on the full responsibility of that role. But when he did, guess what? It allowed me to free up my time to go and do what I do best. And that was to market, promote, and get more properties on board. 
Now, Glenn is still working with the company today. He now has 10 properties and he's had that those 10 properties for years now. And he loves, loves, loves what he does. He built up a business underneath the umbrella of what I created with my business, which was called Host My Home up in uh, Queensland in Australia. Julie, okay, so there is so much to unpack right there already. So first of all, I love how you had the abundance mindset because sometimes we think in a scarcity, like if we give this to someone, we're not going to have anything left for us. You essentially gave Glenn charge over your a, a nice portion of the portfolio. You take care of all of this. You know, this is your responsibility. You're going to get paid accordingly. And then you thought to yourself, let me kind of rent and repeat. So I love the mindset of abundance. You're like, okay, let him do this so that I can do more. And oh my goodness, how innovative is this? I think that's incredible. One thing I don't think we touched on. So essentially the $8 million came from you selling your business for $8 million. No, no. In fact, the $8 million came from the just the booking income. Sorry to confuse, but the oh, booking income. I know. How is that? So I wrote the Incredible. million dollar host after I'd made a million dollars in the first year of operating this business. So one year, $1 million income. If I had just waited till the second year, I could have written the multi-million dollar host book. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, one of the the hardest things you touched on before is to delegate and to trust in others. And seriously, that was probably my biggest challenge. And something I really had to overcome was to really be able to say, well, I had to find people that were smarter than me in terms of the skill set. I had to just acknowledge that I'm not really good at cleaning. So I need someone who's better at that than me. I'm not really patient with with messaging in the middle of the night. So I need somebody who's more patient than me. So that's where I had to recognize the strengths in somebody like Glenn. And then I went on to repeat this and took on 14 people in total uh, in that same sort of role, the co-host role, all in like what, what I term as being little franchise, geographical franchise pods. So it was in a location, all of the properties that I ended up giving to Glenn were within maybe a 20-mile radius of where he lived. So I wanted to make it super easy for him. I wanted to create a portfolio of properties he was proud of. So he took pride and he was reaching for those five-star reviews. And one of the things I would do to monitor how successful and reward my my co-hosts was to monitor those reviews. Now, if anybody dropped below four stars, we would have a chat. We would actually, I would sit down with Glenn and go, something's not gelling here. The the guests aren't giving us very high ratings. Maybe I need to retrain you. And that's what I looked at the mindset. However, if he was consistently getting five-star reviews and he wanted another property to add to his portfolio and showed me he had the capability of being able to, to do that, I was very happy to add to his portfolio. One of the ladies that came on after Glenn, her name is Natalie. Now, Natalie showed such business acumen and came to me with a business plan on how she was going to cope with more than 10 properties. She ended up taking on 23 properties in her little portfolio. 
Now, she employed her mum, her sister, her aunt as cleaners under her. So she really set up an incredible little business where she was earning four to $5,000, like, and I'm probably, I'm a bit naughty telling you that, but um, she was doing that per week with the split that we came up with, the way that I structured this this whole yeah, the whole business structure. So, uh, so it was was possible. Sorry, I've gone off right off on a tangent there, Rach. But very important to know how to really, I guess we're, what we're looking at is how to empower these people, how to make sure that they've got pride in their their work. How are you going to how are you going to be able to keep them loyal to you? And now, I one thing is I got them to sign off on a non compete form as well, so that they couldn't take my ideas. And go off and start their own business. None of that. So, but you really want to keep them engaged, keep them loyal to you, and have them have like I want people to enjoy themselves too. If they're going to be part of my team, I want them to go to be so proud of the fact that we have developed this business. They're out there shouting it to their friends, to their family, telling everybody that they know who we are, what we're doing, and then suddenly the offset of the of the offshoot of that. I've got a whole sales team out there. I don't just have co-hosts. I've got people out there marketing my business and getting more work in for us. So super cool. And the wheels are turning, Julie. Oh my goodness. The wheels are turning. That that was so, so good. And that's super awesome. So that extreme ownership. So now they're not just cleaners. They're not just the concierge side, they're not just guest communication. They own pretty much the entire experience of this batch of properties. Oh my goodness. So I often think about how do you get more buy-in, right? We're always thinking, how do you get more buy-in from your team? Well, that's how you do it, right? You give them that ownership, so to speak, of a portion of the portfolio. They, they really owned it. And pay them very generously. A lot of people would say to me, including my husband at the time, you're paying them too much. You shouldn't be sharing. And just to let your viewers know what I was paying them, I'm happy to divulge. Like there are no secrets here. Do not tell me anything that you want to keep a secret because I will tell you everything. Um, I I was charging my owners 25% plus the cleaning fee to the guest. So that's what the income was. Now, out of that, I was paying my co-host. My team were getting paid 6% plus the cleaning fee. So every time a booking came in, I knew I was getting 19% of the cut. So well, that was pretty cool and added up very quickly. But pay them generously and I promise you they will not be um, lured away by working for somebody else. So that's part of the piece as well. You've got to be generous. Yeah, and absolutely. And so it was their their pay was based on the bookings. So they needed to make sure that those bookings were happening and the communication was going well. So let me ask Definitely. this, and this is a little bit of a tangent because we did not discuss this beforehand. So as far as the pricing is concerned, who managed the pricing for the different portfolios? Tell me a little bit about how that looks like. I'm always talking about pricing, you know that already. <laughs> That was my job. So I was doing the pricing of properties. Now I, and so the co-hosts wouldn't uh, get involved in that. Mind you, I was always very respectful that if they did come to me and say, Julie, we actually, we're getting, like our calendar's always full. We think we can get a higher price for this property. I would listen to that, of course. And I, because 
they were working on a commission too. I was working on a commission. They were working on a commission. They wanted to earn more money. Now, they also wanted to be able to upsell to their guests. So when they're, or extend people's holidays. So that gave them motivation to answer the inquiries super quick. They also were saying to the people, to the guests, would you like to stay an extra night? We've got the weekend free or we can give you a deal. So they would have to run any deals past me first, but ultimately I would do all the pricing and then eventually I couldn't do that on my own. So I had to employ, I had uh, two two property managers, I call them area managers, that were taking care of the pricing and the calendars and the homeowners. And I employed people to do that. And then I had another lady that eventually came on board in the office as well. So I had an office. Uh, That's something different as well. Not a lot of short-term rental businesses have a physical office, but that was something I chose to do to have a hub for all of the team members, but also to give us a really good brand and presence in the marketplace. But uh, yes, I did all the pricing. But Rach, do you know what I did wrong in my business? Let me tell you a regret that I have. I didn't use a pricing tool. And like, you're going to get really cranky at me because you know how much money I would have left on the table by not using any software. I was guessing my prices. What an idiot. (laughs) Now, if you have heard it here, this is our million dollar host. (laughs) Confession, confession time. (laughs) Did not use a pricing tool, and that is one of her biggest regrets. So I tell the group here, Julie, if you're not using a pricing tool, you're leaving money on the table. Million dollar rule, hundred and from her mouth. <laughs> I promise you, my biggest regret. I have, I lose sleep over it now. Look, I yes, eight million dollars was great, but I probably could have made a good ten million dollars <laughs> had I listened to the experts and trusted that somebody else might know my area better than I did. That was my big issue. But that's what these experts do. That's what they analyze. That's what they, you know. So get a pricing tool, people. Get a pricing tool. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it because you know what? It's changed the whole trajectory of my own business. And so once I realized that my mind equals blown, I think that maybe it was the best kept secret. That's why you didn't really know about it. But once I discovered it, I continue to tell everyone about it. So, so what about um, service gaps or knowledge gaps with your team? What if they, you know, are consistently making the same mistakes? How do you reel them back in? How do you increase that engagement so that they can get back on the right track? And how do you maybe, you know, transition them out of the, the business <laughs> necessary? So tell us a little bit That's- about that. Transitioning out, that's a nice way of putting it. Um, You put so much time and energy into finding the right people for the role. You do not want to just let them go or transition them out, uh, kick them out the door when you want. Like sometimes you want to do that, but really you need to take a good hard look at what's going on and retrain. One of the things I would do on a very consistent basis would be to have team meetings and I'm, because this, this business can be super lonely, right? So I think as short-term rental property managers, we're surrounded by people, but when it comes down to the pain points and what we are challenged with on day-to-day basis, it is really important to have a support mechanism there and a support team. So I would have, once a fortnight, I would actually get the team together 
and I would put on a morning tea or a, we'd have drinks of some sort, like we'd have something nice. We'd have something fun, but then we would have a training session attached to that. I was very, always very open with what was happening with the business. There were no secrets. And I think that's very important to really make sure that everybody in the the uh, the team, no matter what role they're in, they all know what your vision is, what your goals are, what your challenges might be. Like, don't be afraid to hide things from your team. Like, sorry, don't hide things from your team. Sorry, I, I worded that wrong. But I think it's really important to be open with them. But then also to to listen. And it's a skill that a lot of people don't have to listen to what is happening with your team. How are they feeling when they're when the guests are causing a few issues or that they're, you know, they've, they've just got a bad review. Has that knocked their confidence? You really need to talk it out and make sure that you're listening. And then of course, react to that in a positive manner, retrain them, do some, um, we would do, (laughs) I remember one of the fun team meetings was that we were trying to, we were having competitions on who could do the best fold with towels. So you know how you go on cruise ships and they've got animals. And so in one of of the team meetings, I said, right, here's a towel each, come up with the best design. And some of the things that came out were not for eyes of under 18 year olds, but we had a great time and it just showed us some of the skills that people had. Folding fitted sheets, that's another one that we did. And anybody who's can successfully do that, I think deserves a trophy. So that's um so but have fun with your team, train your team on a regular basis, listen to your team as well. And I think, you know, sometimes your team members have great ideas. I remember one of the team members coming to me once saying, we don't need to put independent, I used to put bottled water in for every guest that we had, I would put a bottled water in the properties. One of my team members came to me and said, Julie, that's not very environmental friendly, firstly. Secondly, it's costing you a lot of money. And I went, ah, you're right. <laughs> Hello. That got your attention, right? <laughs> oh, and yeah, the money, the money side more than the environmentally friendly. <laughs> now I'm confessing, now confessing what I really what motivates me. And uh, so we ended up just putting jugs of water and just from the tap in the fridge and you know what? We didn't get one complaint from any of the guests. No one knew anything different. We're better for the environment and saved a lot of money. That's awesome. So great ideas for you. And you know what? The creativity comes out when you accept some of their ideas, when they're vested into it. So I think that's incredible. So Julie, I have a couple quick comments I wanted to go through here real quick. Heather says staffing right now is a bit of a nightmare. Oh, Julie, can you talk to that? What about when staffing is a bit of a nightmare? Gosh, you know, it is getting hard to find people, but I want you to really think outside the box, folks, because this is where I found a lot of retirees who were great in this role. A lot of people like Glenn, 72-year-old, he didn't want to retire. He wasn't ready for retirement. He was house proud. He was a great communicator. It, it still is. Gosh, talking past tense. He loved the opportunity. Now, one of my other really good co-hosts was a mum with three little girls. And of course, the busiest time for our industry is 10 a.m. to maybe 3 p.m. And that's when all the checkouts are being done. That's when all the turnovers are being done in the properties. That's school time. Look in your schools. Advertise at the school's 
there just may be a parent who is looking for a bit of part-time work, part-time work. So think outside the square and then when you find these people, hang on to them for dear life. Don't, I'm not opposed to poaching people either though. So if you know <laughs> of somebody that is a really good housekeeper in a resort, offer them more money. Offer them a better deal. Get them over onto your, get them, get them over. Get them over to the dark side. <laughs> yes, yes. That's a great idea. And it presents a great idea to a lot of us who live near hotels as well. And maybe they're not getting the hours that they want because we know that travel is reduced. So having that person who has a hotel experience or a previous hospitality experience I think it's going to be, you know, definitely transferable to our line of business. So that's awesome. So PJ is asking if a host can splurge on three things, Julie, what three things would you suggest? Loaded question. I love it. Wow. She's making you work tonight. Well, look, I think it's super important to put money back in. So probably one of the biggest splurges I did in business was to make sure that I put back into my team uh, and really made sure that they were looked after. So when it came time for Christmas parties, when it came time for birthdays, just spoil your team a little bit because it really goes a long way. But not only buying uh, materialistic things, but just recognise them, listen to them, respect them. The other thing that I did with my team was there was an introduction at one stage where we we created a relationship with a tour desk. Now, this is something that's an added extra income to your business is if you can find a tour desk that can merge with your business, and I'm just going to run you through exactly how this works, but what I ended up doing was splitting the profits 50-50 with any of my team members. So how it worked was that we had a tour desk that looked after all the cruises, uh, the Great Barrier Reef diving, uh, hot air ballooning, all those fun things that you can do in Australia, pet a kangaroo, cuddle a koala. Rather than me having to know all the details about all the different options in my area, I engaged an expert. I outsourced to a gentleman named David. Now, David was the expert in the area. So what we would do is every time we sent a message to somebody who was coming to stay in one of our properties, it always had a paragraph saying, if you are coming to visit and you are thinking of doing any activities or tours while you're here, get in touch with David and he will give you the very best deal. That's all we had to say. We put a phone number and a website. Now, in each of the properties, we had a portfolio, a compendium of brochures on the front saying, give David a call. That's all we did, okay? Now, what we would do is that when my co-hosts would connect, they'd send the message or they would point out the compendium. But at the end of every month, David was able to recognize the people that stayed with us simply by their address because he had a list of our properties. He also would say, who is your host, uh, your Airbnb host? Now, if they said Julie or Glenn or Natalie, David knew straight away. So he would keep record. And at the end of the month, David would send me a big fat check, 20% commission on everything that he sold. And then I would simply split that down the middle and give a bonus each month to my team members. And if Glenn in his portfolio of 10 properties, 
And we made it a bit of a competition amongst all the team members at those meetings that we would have. We would go, okay, the person that sold the most tours is Glenn or Natalie. And we would actually reel off the amount so that next month they're really trying to compete harder and get their people to buy more tours. But there, there was an extra $1,000 a month, you know, for, for Glenn uh, that was coming in or a couple of hundred dollars a month just through that little idea. So what I'm saying, folks, is if you start thinking further afield to maybe optimise the, the income from each of your guest stays, share it with your team. Don't be greedy. Don't just think, no, they're only cleaners. They only deserve $10 an hour. No, no, no. Think bigger. Think bigger, think that they're also wanting to build a life for themselves as well. And I promise you, you'll be rewarded with loyalty, with a great team, with a good attitude. And yeah, it's it comes around. Oh, Julie, that is just amazing. And and that's incredible because you know what? The cleaners are the boots on the ground, right? You wouldn't believe how much intel, and I don't want to call it gossip, but insider information <laughs> I get from regarding my competitors for my clients. And they also, you're over there at such a what are they up to? And I get the scoop. I really do. In times of, you know, oh, maybe I need to invest over there. She's like, yeah, we're always booked. Is that, oh, are you really? I never thought anyone would want to go there. The cleaners, the cleaners have the inside scoop because a lot of times you're touching multiple markets. And so I absolutely love that. So Julie, another thing we didn't talk about, but this one hit home, not just the accommodations, right? But the upsell, here's what the data is showing. And I don't have all the latest and greatest numbers. But Julie, every time a guest comes into your space, they're spending an average of maybe two, $180 to $250 American in the U.S. per day for their travel stay. This is outside of your unit. What are they spending it on? Transportation, food, events, and so on and so forth. So what you just identify, well, how do I capture, you're not going to get all the dollars. Well, can't we participate in some of those dollars? And that really opens the mindset with Turo, the, the car renting. Have you heard of that? You know, there's so much out there that you can, they're already there. They're in your space. How do you add value, right? And capture some of those dollars that are, that are ready to be spent. So they've got these needs. They've got groceries that they, they're going to, when they get to your property, they're going to want to go and get groceries. So here's the thing, folks. You could actually, with my co-hosts, I would say to them, if you want to go and get the groceries for them, you can charge them a little fee and we'll split it 50-50. So, you know, I'm bringing you the properties. I'm bringing you the guests essentially through my property management business. If you're willing to do the work, let's split it. If you're willing to put a little mini bar into the properties, let's split it. You go and buy all the, the goods, let's put it in. So if any of my team would come to me with those sorts of ideas of making more money and I was going to benefit, you bet your bottom dollar, I'm going to go 50-50 with them every time. And you know, it's a lot of fun. Like what's the worst that can happen? So give it a go. It's incredible. It's incredible. And you're right. If the guest if they're identifying there's a need and the guest is going to spend it away, why go to a third party and spend it, right? 
you're here already. Let's let's provide that service for them, and we'll we'll charge a little something on top, and we'll benefit from it. So it's a win-win situation. It takes off that extra layer of okay, let me think about this next thing that I need to do. Sometimes people just want to be told what to do. Here's the thing pay for it. They're like, yeah, you just took, you know, because it can be daunting and stressful to travel sometimes with the logistics. So I, I think that's incredible. And I think that's something that we're not leveraging as much as we should, you know? Anybody who's traveled to somewhere like Mexico or Bali, they are the experts at it. Bali, for instance, when you get off the plane in Bali, straight away people are coming at you can I carry your bags can I get you transport can I book a tour for you can I and it it can be a bit overwhelming but we can learn a thing or two from that right so let's make the most out of (laughs) I've got to be careful how I say this because I don't want to say that we're just chasing the dollars we want to offer a very important like a great customer service at the same time so you've got to find that balance but you are running a business. So if we've got an opportunity to make some money by getting groceries and putting those groceries in the refrigerator before the guest gets to the property, there's a great customer service. There's a money-making opportunity. Just consider it, guys, because it's, uh, you know, you can, it's not just all about the, the accommodation rate in this game. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And you're speaking something that's near and dear to me. And this is something that we talk about in this group a, a lot. So our strategy, Julie, is really to how do we own and operate? And because we're busy professionals too, by day, healthcare professionals, right? How do we own and operate the least number of properties that generate the highest profitability? So it's not necessarily accumulating more real estate at this point. It's very hard to do with the prices just going up and up. So you can still have that one property and say, hey, you know, an extra $10 on a service, an extra $20 on another service. And it's optional, of course, but you can definitely add on these services. And I think the the guests will be served better if we're thinking about all the aspects of travel, all the pain points, right? And to your point, we have some guests that travel and they arrive in the wee hours of the night. And I actually had a guest whose uh, daughter had a big tennis competition first thing in the morning. And so imagine them getting there at night after 11 p.m. There's nothing in the fridge for her to eat. Where Are they going to drive through? I live in one of those towns where things don't open that early and they open that late. So if you can have a starter grocery breakfast pack for them, that's definitely serving the guests. So Julie, give us more nuggets. One of my favorite topics, I tell you, you know, there's just so many opportunities there. So open, take the blinkers off people, think about what are the needs of your guests and then start delivering and, but deliver it and then share the profits with your team, because that is got to be the philosophy. You cannot just, I'm not a big one for paying by the hour. I like to revenue share where I can with or some sort of incentive at some stage as well. So so paying generously um, and doing a revenue share is definitely one. Offering the training and also outside training. So if you see that, and I had some um, employees that I wanted to offer some sort of extra bonus to them. It was very great that, you know, they were, they were great employees, but I wanted to give them something that was going to be worthwhile for them. So I paid for them to do a real estate course and that, but with the provision that if they were to, to leave my employment 
within 12 months of doing the course, then they had to pay, you know, a portion of it back. But that was just a safety net type deal. But, but you know, by doing something like that, paying for an outside course for your team benefits both you and your team member. I got the benefit of that knowledge, the skill base of somebody who now knows the most recent real estate training. Uh, but then they feel like they're valued. They feel like they are important and that they feel they are progressing in their career as well. So it's really important to think think on both sides of the, the spectrum there. Empowering your team, making sure that they know how special they are, uh, respecting them, you know, having that mutual respect and having regular meetings. You know, we have something that we call a job scorecard where we can track not only monitoring the employees' progress and how how the team members doing, but also how we are doing as bosses. How are we being seen? Can we do do anything to improve how we are managing our team? You know, and that's hard because you're you're asking for constructive criticism and you will get it, but uh, but you've just got to pull your big girl panties up and say, "All right, I'm ready. Tell me, good and bad." What can I do to make things better for you as a team member of my team? That That's awesome, Julie. I mean, just so much to unpack there from, you know, we talked about amenities. We talked about having the team to kind of execute on those amenities. We talked about the rev share side of it because it's a win-win, right? And so that's a buy-in, empowering your team. When you said so for outside training, I thought I I honestly thought it was going to be a, a more expert level of cleaning training. But when you said real estate, I was like, yes, that is fantastic. Who wants an extra cleaning class? Right. I was like, eh. yeah. So I, I just thought that was hilarious that I thought that for whatever. Well, it's funny. A lot of the people that we did employ, and I'm just trying to think, you know, how it all unfolded, but a lot of the people that I took on in these roles, though it was a co-host role where, yes, they were doing the cleaning, but they were also doing so much more. They were communicating with the guests. They were essentially running their own little short-term rental business under my umbrella. So that's how I promoted it. So when I would put my advertisements together to find new team members, mm-hmm. I would actually say, do you have good cleaning skills? Have you got experience in that? Because that's something that can't really, oh, I don't know. I, I, I need good cleaners to start with, but I'm going to teach you all the rest. I'm going to teach you how to communicate and use the Airbnb software. I'm going to yeah, possibly put you through a real estate course. I'm going to, like I can do, you can actually look to upskill people. And then, of course, I would always dangle the final carrot of, would you like to be your own boss? Because essentially I was taking these people on as contractors, not as employees. Mm-hmm. I was building up their businesses so that if they wanted to, now they didn't ever do this, so I can't use a real life example, but if they ever wanted to, they could sell their business. Now, if they sold their, let's say they they started their property management business under my umbrella, they started their own little co-hosting business if they sold that business to somebody who I agreed to take on the contracts of those properties, that was a real possibility as well. So suddenly they're not only just earning great money, but they've got a saleable asset of their own that they're building up by getting more properties onto the portfolio, more contracts with me, and that's worth something. So as I said, it didn't ever happen, but that was something that I was prepared to do. If somebody wanted to sell their little co-host 
business that I helped develop. Yeah, why not? Good luck. And, and that's amazing. And, and good on you because they didn't sell it. They wanted to continue that process. But the story. Yeah, they want to stay. They want to stay. And so I saw that, um, I think it was something you posted a photo of the little mop shoes that you had given it. You spoiled them rotten, Julie. You really spoiled. The little mop shoes were hilarious. It's these little booties and then they had the little mop and you can. <laughs> but uh, you'll, you'll see it. If you get onto my social media, guys, you'll see, yeah, they were slippers, essentially slippers with mop bottoms and they cost me ten dollars each um i gave them out to all my team members and said here's your shoes you know and giggle giggle because they they had cute cat faces or they had dog faces and uh they're just called cleaning slippers but we had some fun with it so we got some good social media content from it that is awesome that is awesome and you know, when you say it, it can be a lonely business, it can be a little bit of a stressful business. If, you know, sometimes you have amazing guests who are just glowing, but then sometimes you have some guests that are a little bit disappointing. And then, so if you can laugh about things, if they understand that you're on their side and, you know, there's opportunity for them to continue to grow, continue to improve. I think that's what I'm hearing from you. That's really what um, garnered that type of loyalty from them. Would you say that's right? 100%. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it's so important. So tell us a little bit more, Julie. What, what are the key takeaways that we should be looking at as we are looking to expand our team, as we're looking to grow our team? What should we be thinking about? Well, firstly, it is impossible to scale up to an um, you know, your empire just on your own. You need to recognize your own strengths and weaknesses and then employ and, you know, surround yourself with people that enhance you. Now, that's something that I always say because it's not only relevant to business, but it's relevant to personal life as well. Surround yourself with people that enhance you. I just wanted to repeat that again because you need to find people that are better than you at certain skills that you are lacking and employ those people and hang on to them tight because they are going to make you look good and they are going to help you make a lot of money. So that's the first thing is to really take a good, long, hard look at yourself and then find what skills are missing that you need to add to your business. Do it as soon as you possibly can. As soon as you can afford to put somebody on, do it because it's very hard to go out there and source new properties when you are bogged down and you're working in your business and not on your business. So you want to be able to offload what you can as quickly as you possibly can and then move on to the tasks. For me, it was sourcing new properties and then being able to market and brand and then get those properties on. You need to do those sorts of things as quickly as you possibly can. Uh, you need to be ready for your uh, new team members have some good training manuals set up, have some good contracts in place with non-compete clauses. So if when you're teaching them all of this amazing information, they are not going to run off and start their own business. And in fact, if anybody is after some good contracts, I actually sell the templates of the contracts that I use personally. I've got them in Word documents so that you can put your logo on it. You can customize it yourself. So you can go to Million Dollar Host com.au uh, and you'll find all of those employment contracts and the training manual. The training manual is there for sale as well. 
Uh, so if anyone wants to do what I've done, don't reinvent the wheel. Just buy the templates and customize it and do it yourself. But have some good paperwork in place. It's no good doing a handshake deal with uh, with employees or or contractors. It doesn't work. When things go bad, and they will, you will have, and we were talking before about exiting people out. I've had to do plenty of that and I hate it, but it is necessary. If somebody is sucking a lot of your time, a lot of your effort, and you are just not getting anywhere with the retraining, it is best to let people go sometimes. It may not just be, may not be the right fit. You've just got to recognize that you need to start fresh again. But uh, yes, having those ugly conversations, it is a part of this business, unfortunately. So pay generously. I've got a list here that I'm looking at. Pay generously, whatever you can, and do some sort of incentive or profit split because you really want to keep people, people don't want to just have a, a set limit each week. They don't, if you can say to them, there is unlimited earnings, you just need to get out there and work hard, come up with ideas, be driven. You can earn a lot of money with this business. I promise you that's when people want to come and work for you. So um, look, there's just a couple of ideas, I guess. But but folks, I would just say um, don't be afraid to delegate. Trust in others as well. And just know that when you find a loyal team member, they will give back so much uh, hard work, so much love, and yeah, it, it, they will make you look good. So get on to it. Yes. And you know what? If they look good, everyone looks good, right? Within your business. So I think that is just so key. That is so important. What amenities could you kind of splurge on to charge that higher nightly rate? Because from your co-hosting perspective and from your property management perspective, you didn't have necessarily all of the control with, you know, amenity. You can't just build a pool for your homeowner, right? To tell them, hey, I'm building you a pool. So what were some of the amenities that you encourage them to add to their property that really made the difference? And I want to caveat that, um, PJ, this is going to be very market specific. And I will tell you why. In the mountains of the Poconos and in Tennessee, a pool and a hot tub is key. But on the Florida panhandle, no one has a hot tub. They don't like Florida very hot. The hot tub was not a big deal. So it was not a differentiator. So it's going to be very market uh, specific, but I'm so curious. What are some great amenities in Australia, Julie? Tell me. <laughs> I think um, probably the number one thing that comes to mind is the coffee machine. I, I'm not a coffee drinker, but really? most people are. What? I know. How do I do this without coffee? How do I get the energy, right? So it's um, a coffee machine, a good pod coffee machine or beans if you can put one of those in and you photograph it and you list it in your listing, that can bring in a good $10, $15, $20 a night extra. And that's one thing that I would always say invest, if you can invest in that. Other things might be uh, fun items in terms of um, television um, streaming services. So Netflix, Stan. Now, a lot of people can come with their own account and they can log in. Yes, that's one option. But if you say we have got Netflix ready to go, a lot of people get excited by that. And a lot of people will book your property when others don't. Unlimited fast download Wi-Fi is the other thing. Like I just cannot emphasize enough how important it is to pay, get your owners or you, if you're arbitraging, pay for the very 
best Wi-Fi that is available, screenshot it and put it in your listing as one of the first five images even because you want to promote that as being so important. Bedding is also important. So if you've got awesome linens, if you've got beautiful soft pillow top toppers for your bed, don't be afraid to put that and make that a feature on the listing as well. Oh, look, I, I could go on for days on this topic, Rach, but do you know, actually, one of my favourite things that I discovered in a short-term rental, and I've actually gone out and bought myself one, here we go, I haven't even told anybody this because it hasn't been delivered yet, it is a massage chair, right? So, I'm talking about the ones that give you the full recline, cocoon you, Bluetooth speakers, I've already called mine Magic Mike, that's a bit is that? Uh, but it is so incredible. So I've got one of those. I'm going to put it on social media next week, folks. So you keep an eye out for that. But there was one in one of our short-term rental properties we managed, and it was the most popular property because it had this massage chair that <laughs> guests wanted to come and stay. Cleaners wanted to clean it. Property managers, we all fought over who was going to go check guests in there because we all wanted a massage first before we checked them in. So but now we're talking like high expensive items, but I suppose your spa and your uh, your your hot tubs are, are quite pricey too. But honestly, a massage chair or something fun like that, scooters, bikes, there's a whole array of these types of things. So I know we've gone off track from talking teams to talking. No, I, I think it's amazing. So Julie, the first four things you mentioned were actually very specific to, actually it was very general, right? Every single unit, I think, needs to have a good coffee. It doesn't matter where you are, what market you're in. So people in Australia love fast Wi-Fi too. That is amazing. (laughs) It's the same worldwide. It's, uh, you know, people want fast Wi-Fi, somewhere comfortable to sleep. Depending where we are, I'm in a very tropical area, so you need to have air conditioning. But that was one of the standards. When I took on properties, I had some very, very strict standards. And and they were that they had to have Wi-Fi in their property. They had to have air conditioning. They had to have good security. So I that but that was just a personal thing for me that I wouldn't take properties on that didn't have those things. But the added bonuses of the coffee machine, the lush linens and bedding, the bicycles that could be used the board games board games like hello they're making a comeback jigsaw puzzles and board games you know so uh, that's all of those things can add some extra money and some extra income into your properties and the massage chair you wait till you see this massage chair rachel whoa i just saw a listing this week that had not one julie but two massage chairs and they were placed right in front of a big screen tv and i was like Lady, you have got it. You figured that it out. And okay. not not your not your cheap massage chairs either, Julie. It was the the whole. I was like, wow. So that's a whole other level. And I want to touch really quick for a second on the fast Wi-Fi. That's no longer a luxury, folks. It is a necessity to the point where what I'm doing with my homeowners, I'm not letting them buy cheap Wi-Fi anymore. I buy the Wi-Fi. And I charge them for it, period, because that can really interrupt the stay. And the last thing I need is, a, you know, an interruption. I mean, even when it's fast once in a while, like we're, we're struggling with fast. 
request Wi-Fi sometimes, but when it's slow, forget about it. Forget about it. That really interrupts the state. So um, going That's forward, our policy is we're purchasing the Wi-Fi. We're getting the top Wi-Fi and the homeowner is going to get billed. And, you know, and that's a part of our contract. If they don't like it, then they may need to seek services elsewhere because that Wi-Fi is no longer negotiable. It's not a negotiable anymore. And, uh, the internet caused so many issues with my, you know, I was so wary of the internet issues that I ended up buying mobile Wi-Fi devices as a backup. So that if the Wi-Fi did go down on any of my properties, I would put in the mobile device and then I would just charge my owners for the amount of um, data that I put on there. So that might be a little tip for anybody managing. Make sure you've got a backup. Yeah, the backup is a good one. Yeah, because you're right. Even the good Wi-Fi can go down, right? So always having a backup plan, you know, is is very important. Heather says, I think Julie hit it, hit a good point. In order to have a clear understanding of what it feels like to be a guest, we have to practice being one. Mm. We should be visiting other and places sometimes- as well and staying in our own places periodically. In your own- it's so important to stay in your own property. And actually, that's one thing I didn't touch on, but I let my own team members, my contractors or anybody working for me, if they wanted to stay in a property and get away for a bit of time themselves, do that. Allow them to stay in different properties. And because eyes and ears, you see different things. When you stay in a property overnight, you go to find a a potato peeler. It's not there. You go to iron a shirt and there's no iron. You'll find things that maybe you didn't uh, expect before. But also for your team, it's lifting the morale. It's making them feel important. You're giving back. You're empowering. It's a win-win. That's awesome. That's amazing. I love it. That is awesome, Julie. And you you touch a little bit on um, working with people who are smarter than you, uh, networking with people who are smarter than you. And that's what I love about you. As I said in the very beginning, you are one of my mentors. Tell us a little bit about how we can work with you if we're looking to work with you. Absolutely. Well, I'm hanging out with you, Rachel, because I think you're smarter than me. So, you know. <laughs> But folks, I now have the luxury of uh, coaching and mentoring others in this space. And yes, Rachel was um, a student for the last 90 days through Legends X program, shameless plug on my t-shirt. But uh, we, I'm working with Jasper Rivers, uh, the incredible Eric Moller. We come together and we take people from that hectic hosting position. If you are working in your business or on your business, you are the person I'm speaking to right now. If you want help to get to that hospitality brand and do maybe replicate the success that I've seen, that Rachel's seen in this industry, this is the program for you. So if anyone's listening and interested, you need to get in touch with me right now. But I would love to have people to, we just see a need for that in this industry, that there's an advanced course that we can offer, a program. I can guide you through. You have me as your coach for 90 days. You have me on your team. You have me yelling at you. No, I don't yell, do I, Rachel? Maybe some no. Um, one day she had, we had some substitutes come in to help out because I think Julie was under the weather and we missed her so much. She's like the most animated coach. She brings on the joy, the music, the fun. And even when we're going through it, she, you know, she had anecdotes. She has been through it a hundred and... Let me say it again, 130 properties. There's nothing that she has not seen, okay? <laughs> I've seen way too much. And I'm going to repeat. 
Absolutely. So please tap in with Julie, guys, if you feel that that is something that is right up your alley that you're needing support with. I got to tell you, it has changed the trajectory of our business, and I'm super, super excited about it. So, all right, Julie, we're at the top of the hour. Any parting words before we go? I just want to thank you, Rachel, for this opportunity. Uh, folks, you know, and it sounds like we've got some, you know, Heather, Tracy, like some PJ, so many beautiful women that are listening in today. And uh, I just, yeah, encourage, support, mentor and and motivate each other is what probably my message. And then get out there and just do it. Take action because, you know, it can be life-changing, this business. Absolutely. There you have it, folks. Our million-dollar folks right here sharing all of the nuggets, the good, the bad, and the ugly behind the scenes. And I just absolutely love it. Stay tuned, guys. We have more coming up next week. Tap in with Julie if you are ready to see if you would be a good fit for Legends X. If you can squeak there, definitely it's worthwhile to have a conversation with her. All right. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much. 